So welcome along to our Sermon Extended for Sunday the 4th of February. Apologies, it's only coming at this point in the week. Uh, my hope is always to get them out slightly earlier so you can reflect over them during the week and you can remember. But I, I suppose even to come out on a day such as today will give you an opportunity to think about it over the weekend. Uh, and be reminded of what we said last weekend if you weren't out with us, if you're maybe listening just to these we hope you get a sense of God speaking to you through them and a sense of what we were talking about. Of course, it's always better in the actual moment, in the actual event, but we can tear ourselves away from the busyness, from all those things that distract us, even in, in these moments as we listen, maybe with all of the buzz going on around us, and we can get a sense of God's presence and God's words to us through this. And so that is my hope today as we look at this next part of the book of Luke, which is Luke chapter 11, verse 1 to 13. And we'll read through that now and then we'll uh, recap over the sermon from last Sunday and then expand it, extend it and look in more detail at it, which this podcast gives us the opportunity to do. It's entitled The Lord's Prayer in Luke chapter 11. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything." I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask them? And so that's our reading that we recapped over last Sunday in church. It was communion, and so on those Sundays it only allows us a short period of time before that and leading up to that to prepare ourselves and to think upon these things. And so... We thought about the from the week before this idea that God is a God of abundance, that God isn't a God of the small portions, that God isn't a God of, of measliness, that he isn't a miser, he's not someone who sits off in a far off cloud kind of looking at us angrily or like a, a miser. He's a God of abundance who seeks to pour, who seeks to lavish, who seeks to bless. And that is the idea of God that we need to have, this God who seeks to pour out over us and that's the second part of this story where we see that very clearly where Jesus says about this friend who comes to the door looking for something extra and of course the alternative of what God is is this friend who who doesn't want to get up who can't be bothered who's wanting to do the bare minimum who's kind of closed down the house for tonight everyone's in bed it's quiet he's just getting ready to go to sleep and his friend comes and starts knocking the door but not because of his goodness of heart not because he wants to but simply because his friend shows impudence, which means persistence, or fervently keeps on knocking, and probably to the point where the friend just gets really annoyed and kind of wants just to get rid of him, and so eventually gets up and gives him what he needs just to send him off. 
sometimes that's the picture we get of God where God just eventually gets annoyed with us talking or gets annoyed with us asking for the same thing over and over that he just kind of eventually gives in or he gets so annoyed at us that he doesn't do what we want. We have that human view of God where God is a, a God of the small portion. God is a God of the miser old someone who's just getting really annoyed with us and doesn't want to give us anything whereas we're reminded that God is this God of abundance. God is a God who wants to lavish. God is a God who who seeks us to call and speak to him so he can pour out. And then Jesus goes on to say, For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be opened. The God of abundance will provide. He will give. He will answer. He will open the door. And says, What father among you if his son asks for a fish? Will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Of course, nobody. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Of course we wouldn't because we care for our children. We care for the son in the story. The father wouldn't, of course, give him the opposite things, almost just to teach him a lesson. God is a God who wants to, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God is a God of abundance. God is a God of desire, who wants to give, who seeks and simply wants us to ask for it. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And we do have to ask. It's not just a case of God will kind of know our minds and know that we kind of want it. And so he'll just give it to us without us having to even ask or speak or do anything. We have to to seek for it. We have to knock the door. We have to ask. We have to step up. We have to seek that Holy Spirit to empower us and be the mark of our Christian lives and enable us, the Holy Spirit, that God working in us and through us, we're simply the vessels for the Holy Spirit to move and act. And so that fits in with the second part of our story, this idea of that God is a God of abundance. And the first part is, I know I'm switching them around, but the first part is this Lord's Prayer, which is familiar in church, we say it every Sunday, but yet it can be very unfamiliar. Dallas Willard changed that old saying, um, familiar breeds contempt, un- whereas he says familiarity breeds unfamiliarity, which breeds contempt. This idea that we get so familiar with it that we think we know what it means, but actually it's unfamiliar to us. We just kind of assume we might never have looked into it, we might never have thought about it, we just recite it. And because we recite it so often, it becomes familiar, but it's actually unfamiliar to us. We don't stop to think about it, we don't stop to... Uh, look at the individual aspects we don't stop to actually take into consideration what it's saying and what it means and so familiarity breeds unfamiliarity which breeds contempt and so what we're going to do for these few moments is look at the different phrases in the lord's prayer and think about them and try and break it down and maybe challenge you in this next these next few days in this coming week to pray this prayer each day and to pray it slowly to think about the words to try and breed a sense of familiarity with it that we have but also a familiarity with the meaning of it so that we're familiar and familiar with it so that familiarity won't breed a sense of unfamiliarity in it and because it's the lord's prayer we we recite it but we make it mostly about us and i was saying in sunday that the lord's prayer shouldn't be that and neither as we approached communion last Sunday should it. It's something again familiar, but yet it can be unfamiliar because we don't tend to think about it deeply or we don't prepare ourselves in those ways. And so it's about being 
being people who don't actually look at ourselves in these, but look at the words that are being said, the act that is being done, and try and push our thoughts away from us into what they lead us into. So, we'll look at each phrase. We're going to go through quickly. Uh, well, not, not quickly, but uh, we're going to look through. We're not going to... Um, anyway. So, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray as John taught his disciples. So there's a clue of this is this is not new. This isn't rocket science. This prayer that we pray and has been prayed for thousands of years, which is probably one of the most popular prayers in the world. It's not just something that was familiar to Jesus and his disciples. Obviously, all John and his disciples had prayers that they said. And so... Maybe this disciple has overheard John and his disciples praying and maybe wanted to, to find out a little bit more of that. And so when he's with Jesus, says, Jesus, well, Jesus, John taught his disciples to do this and, and you haven't taught us. Maybe he's one of the disciples' disciples or maybe one of the extended disciples who haven't been around. We assume if this is something that Jesus wants us to pray continually and often, he would have been doing that with his disciples. It's not like this is a one-off. It's the only time we, we see it. We see it in other gospels, but it's the only time... In each gospel, we, we only see it once. But I would imagine it's something that Jesus repeated. It's something that he continually prayed and show his, showed his disciples to pray. And sorry, I'm having to pause this every so often just to cough my lungs up here for some reason. So it's something that would have been familiar to them and that Jesus wanted it to be familiar. And it is to us as well, but that's not to say that we, we look over it or we bypass it. Uh, for this, for the individual phrases, I'm using Leon Morris' commentary on Luke, um, which handily divides them up. I'll be taking most of the, the thoughts from there. It's a prayer for everyday life. It's not a prayer that we should just keep for Sunday mornings. It's not just a prayer we should keep for uh, corporate events. It's not even a prayer we should keep for individual life. But it's a prayer to ask and to seek God's help in ordinary everyday life. Of course, we think about other things during it, but it's about the everyday life. It is a prayer that we pray corporately. It's maybe one that you pray privately. It's a, it's interesting to note that all the pronouns are plural. It's we, it's us, it's our. Uh, lead us not into temptation. Give us our daily bread. All of this is in the plural, so it's something that should be done in a corporate setting. But equally, we do it privately as well because we're not in that corporate corporate setting each and every day. So it's something that we can pray individually. But ultimately, all of that is plural. It's something about us as a corporate body, us as Jesus' disciples, us as the church, as Christ's body that has been on earth for years and will continue to be on earth that we buy into, that we pray into, and we continue these words from the lips of Jesus himself down through the centuries to us. It's a continual corporate prayer that has been going on. Our Father, who art in heaven, our is mentioned somewhere else, it's not mentioned here, but the idea that it's God is our Father, it doesn't matter who we are or what position we have, whenever we sit or stand or kneel or lie down or bow, however we, whatever posture we use for this prayer, God is our Father. And of course the idea of Father wasn't something that the Jews would have been familiar with. It's the Aramaic Abba, the address of a child to the parents, Abba, Father, a phrase you might be familiar with. Abba, this idea of a, a child who addresses its parent in the same way. In the culture, in the context of the time, and still today, we people tend to keep a 
great distance from God. We set God off somewhere else. We keep him away because he, he's God and, and rightly so, reverently so we do so. But we keep him high on this pedestal. We distance ourselves from it. Whereas Jesus actually introduces with this phrase, Abba, the idea of a, an address that a child has to his parent, dad, father. It's something where Jesus was trying to change this idea that God isn't that God at a distance, that God is as close as a father, as close as our, our dad. And that might not bring up good connotations for some of you, but it's the sense that he is that close. He's not a distant God. He's an intimate God. He's with us. He's close to us. He desires us. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed means holy or reverenced. It refers to all that God is and has revealed of himself and asks for a proper attitude in the face of us. It's about that reverence for God. Malinsky scholar says, God shall be God, that man shall not whittle God down to a manageable size and shape. There's other theologians who have said, as soon as we can pigeonhole God, as soon as we can name God, as soon as we can say God is, then God isn't that thing because God is greater than that thing. There's that theological thought that we can't actually say anything about God because as soon as we say or state something about God, then we put God into that manageable size and shape. We kind of stick a, a post-it note on him and say that God is this. And as soon as we do that, we have made God in our own image. We're assuming that we know who God is, yet God is abundant and God is more and God is hallowed. God is, is not us. God is not man. God was man, but God is greater than we could see and express. Thy kingdom come looks for the bringing of the kingdom that was the constant subject of Jesus' teaching. Jesus doesn't teach as much about heaven as he does the kingdom and the kingdom coming to earth. There is a sense in which it is realised here and now in the hearts of lives of people who subject themselves to God and accept his way for them. But in another sense it will not come until God's will is perfectly and finally done throughout the world. Thy kingdom come there's other prayers that continue that that phrase there's next the petition for bread your kingdom come give us each day our daily bread it's a provisioner of our daily needs the continuous present keep giving and the each day make it clear that we should look to god constantly not ask for a provision for a, a long time and then proceed to forget him but it's this daily exercise the bread's an interesting thing we look back into exodus to the people in the exile um, Jews as they left after they left Egypt and they're traveling around in the wilderness and they're seeing all kinds of things and they're getting hungry and they're getting thirsty and there's all this kind of stuff going on and when they're hungry at one point there's bread sent from heaven this manna and as the manna comes from heaven it doesn't last for any length of time the people are told to go out and collect as much as they need each day some when they initially see this manna see this bread that's come from heaven it's like wafers it's like dew in the ground and they pick it up as wafers and can keep it and they're told to just collect enough for each day and some don't do this they don't listen to Moses and they collect more than a day's worth and the next morning they find it's infected it's full of worms and it stinks the bible actually says it stinks it's rotten it's disgusting and so they have to go out and pick up more for that day there was God God's provision for them was just enough for that day it wasn't for the weeks, it was just for that day. Interestingly, when it comes to the Sabbath, they, God doesn't want them to work on the Sabbath, and so he provides enough for them for those two days, and that's the only time where it lasts more than a day, and it lasts perfectly in that case. But the rest of the time, it's a daily provision, and in the same way, 
in this prayer, we give us each day our daily bread. It's our daily needs. It's not the idea of a long which we kind of get enough to do us to the next until it runs out and then we go back to God seeking some more. It's not like the the car running out of petrol. We fill it and then goes down gradually and we have to go back when we're just about to run out. It's a seeking constantly, looking to God constantly, asking for our provision for each day. And then there's this idea of Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, which is the hardest part. I was listening to another podcast on this where it talked about uh, a group of Christian people from Poland and a group of Christians from Germany. And after the Second World War, they were trying to unite and bring a sense of moving forward together. And they refused, the Polish people refused to meet with these Christians from Germany because of the all that had happened because of the hurt and the pain and the depravity that the, the the German society had caused and refused to but when they prayed through this prayer they couldn't finish it and realized that they had to forgive the sins of the other because then if they didn't do that they wouldn't be able to actually receive forgiveness or accept forgiveness and that's the hard part it's not to say that Forgiveness is something that we merit. Um, this commentary more says, The New Testament is clear that forgiveness springs from the grace of God and not from any human merit. Rather, the thought moves from the lesser to the greater. Since even sinful people like us can forgive, we can confidently appeal to a merciful God. But there's this idea, Hendrickson says, An unforgiving heart is not in a condition that can accept forgiveness. And so we need to look at ourselves and reflect upon our hearts and minds that if we are people who aren't willing to forgive are we in a condition where we can truly accept God's forgiveness is that for a lot of us our problem with God's forgiveness uh, how we can't accept is because we can't actually give forgiveness to people we can't let go of the hurt of the wrong of what has passed and so we're not actually in a position to fully accept God's forgiveness but we're told and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And forgiveness is obviously a big thing for Jesus is a big thing in the New Testament. It's a big thing for us to get our heads around at times and lead us not into temptation. It's in the sense of do not bring us to the test. It doesn't imply that God does sometimes cause us to be tempted in the book of James it assures us that he never does in James chapter 1 verse 13. But rather Jesus is encouraging an attitude that flees from temptation. I wonder how often when you're in that position of tempted, have you prayed that God would deliver you from that temptation? Or is it that sense of we pray it in this prayer, but not when we're actually in the midst of that temptation? Maybe you do. Maybe you need to do it more. Maybe we need to get a sense that this prayer is for everyday life and this whole prayer is for everyday life and only then will we truly know the effects of it. How often do we pray this and keep it separate from the rest of our lives and go about the rest of our lives being maybe unforgiving or unmerciful people or being people who simply say, well, God's not looking. I haven't said that prayer in a while and so it won't apply to me here and now in the midst of this temptation, in the midst of whatever is happening. My challenge is, is to keep saying this prayer to make it part of a, a daily devotion to you and for you so that it becomes something so familiar that it doesn't become unfamiliar that as we pray through it 
we actually think about these things. We think about who God is, about the the reverence that we have for God, but also the fact that we get to call him Abba, Father. He's closer to us than our even our breath. The, the Jews split the heavens into different levels, and one of those levels was the air, the, the atmosphere around us. We don't keep God at a distance up in the sky where we can't see. God is closer to us than our even our last breath. And so that God that is close to us will provide for us our daily bread, our our daily needs. He will give us what we need. And that's why we keep having to go to him for our daily need. It's a daily occurrence. Forgive us our sins daily as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us. The challenge of that daily and lead us into not into temptation, which is a daily struggle for all of us. Uh, and the temptations that we face and the temptations that this society has for us. Maybe we face in our workplaces or in our marriages or in, in any of those areas. A temptation that is there for us on a daily basis. And as we lead through this prayer and it becomes familiar and becomes so familiar. It becomes about how God works in us and through us. And so that's been a, a quick summary through. Uh, a quick run through everything if you've any questions let me know if you have queries get in touch uh, but i challenge you to pray this prayer daily 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 on a daily basis i'll say it that way pray this on a daily basis test it and see if you're kind of skeptical of that if you don't know, think it will make a difference do it and see the best way is to test it and see that god of abundance at work and see how Things can change. The world around you might change, but the world within you, you will. And that's the test and that's the challenge for us. And that's what we put into practice on a daily basis. Uh, And so to you, I hope you find this a reassuring, a challenging, a uplifting time and an uplifting prayer uh, and grace and peace to you, my friends.